one size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. The Talksport Daily podcast is proud to be in partnership with Enterprise Rent-A-Car. Whether your business needs cars, vans, or larger commercial vehicles, you can rent from the best lineup in the UK with Enterprise. And with flexible long-term rental, you can get vehicles for as long as you need them, from minutes to months. Whatever the mission, Enterprise's mobility experts can build a bespoke solution to suit your business needs. Visit enterprise.co.uk forward slash business to find out more. This is TalkSport Daily. Hello, happy Thursday, and welcome to another Andy Goldstein TalkSport Daily podcast with me, your host, Andy Goldstein. No beanie hat on, no beanie hat on. I'm letting it all come out because, of course, I'm worth it. And we begin today with the reaction to Chelsea progressing to the quarterfinals in the Champions League. This is how it sounded on your favourite radio station. No, not that one. TalkSport. Chelsea 2, Atletico 0, 3-0 on aggregate, and they're in the quarterfinals. We just don't concede. And really, we don't... Atleti, they had one shot from Yao Felix today. I don't, I don't think they had a shot on target in the first game. Defensively, we're solid. We keep the ball well. Our problem is we don't really finish enough chances. We don't create as many as we should, and we certainly don't take... I mean, we won 2-0 tonight. We had enough chances to win that 3, 4, yeah. 5... Towards the end, we're not ruthless enough. That's a concern. I don't think I've ever been so fundamentally wrong about anything other than Thomas Tuchel. He has completely, completely changed his Chelsea. Mm. I'm very, very happy because uh, we have moments where we are excellent with the ball, but we never, never lose intensity against the ball. We play very brave and very courage in defending and uh, adapt to any system that the opponents played today. So over two legs is a, is a deserved win which is a big win because it's the quarterfinal. Yeah. I was the biggest Frank Lampard supporter, the biggest, you know, fanatic about Frank Lampard. I, I, I hated it when he left. I was mourning. It was like my family member had passed away. I, I think, you know, I tried to defend him. And I, but when, when I hear the stuff that he was just sending, telling people players to go out and express themselves and stuff like that, it does make me feel a bit ashamed of how fanatically I defended him. Liverpool, Chelsea and, and Man City in particular are, must be very encouraged by what mm. we're looking at. Now, someone can tell me how good Bayern Munich are. Right? I know how good they are. Goretzka in the middle of the park is, is an absolute monster. They've got Lewandowski up top. They've got winners all through their team. Yet they're not running away with, with Bundesliga, which you would have thought, bearing in mind how good they are and how, how average Leipzig are, that they should really be putting a bit more distance between mm. them. But anyway, we'll, we will see. Okay. And PSG, then you know they've not had a great season themselves. Yeah. You're listening to TalkSport Daily. Now, the Football Association says it's ready to make changes to implement 13 recommendations made by a review into historical child sex abuse. It discovered serious failures in safeguarding young people in the mid to late 90s. The report looked at the period between 1970 and 2005. The document says all professional clubs should now employ a safeguarding officer. The Associated Press global sports correspondent Rob Harris said that the lack of response to this scandal at the initial stages is concerning. We'll also hear from the head of the DCMS, Julian Knight, but this is the FA Chief Executive, Mark Bullingham, who said that it's a dark day, but changes have been made. 
The report is clear that safeguarding risks were not understood prior to the mid-90s by either sports or society. However, more should have been done more quickly after sexual abuse cases came to light then. As with most sports in this country, the FA was too slow to act. The report does recognise the FA made progress after 2000 and that the Independent Football Commission reviewed safeguarding standards in 2005, concluding that the FA's achievement in this area was impressive. However, it's clearly unacceptable that the correct protocols were not in place before then. Just the sheer scale of this is pretty mind-blowing, actually. And, and the fact that the football family effectively has failed from generation to generation in terms of safeguarding young people from the most horrible abuse. And I think that what we will need to do is we will need to have not just answers about the past, but we really want to know exactly how we deal with things in the future. So we need to see that safeguarding in football, in gymnastics, in other sports is really put to the centre of, 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 of best practice, that we all understand that, you know, these people, these kids go into these sports for, to follow their dreams. And, and, and frankly, they, they've ended up with a nightmare. You see in this report, it's lack of response to the conviction of Barry Burnell in Florida in 1995. The fact it took five years to really respond to that. Even Sepp Blatter, the report shows, who was FIFA General Secretary at the time, wrote to the FA asking what they would be doing about the Burnell case. He sent a cutting he received from Florida and the FA basically responded with nothing that they know about this. And as we know, it took some time then even for Burnell to be banned. The FA didn't actually even ban him at the time. And that was a concern highlighted even after he was released from prison here after returning to the UK in around 2002. And obviously he is currently finally in prison, so many more people coming forward after Andy Woodward bravely came out and waited anonymity five years ago to, to speak about the abuses he suffered. You're listening to TalkSport Daily. Now, Arsene Wenger says FIFA should consider holding the World Cup and Euros every two years in a review of the international match calendar. Adrian Durham, would you believe, actually agreed with Arsene Wenger. Anyway, this is a former England winger, Trevor Sinclair, who told White and Jordan he's not convinced that these ideas are anything but a money spinner for the sport's governing body. You've got to think about the players as well. I think they play an awful lot of football anyway. I think there'll be a serious risk of burnout for the players, not just physically, but mentally as well. I don't think it'll improve the spectacle because the excitement won't be the same. It's almost fever pitch when you're coming round to a major tournament. If it's happening every year, it's not going to be the same. And I think that, that'll be echoed by the players. There's a Ryder Cup every two years. The interest diluted oh, there. It's got bigger. Ashes. That's at least every two years, isn't yep. it? The interest isn't diluted there. So I do not buy that at all. The only winner in this whole thing is the federations. I'm, we're talking about the revenue. Tournament football generates ludicrous amounts of money. The reasons why the World Cup is in America in 2026 with the Mexicans is because Donald Trump put forward a proposal that it would generate 15 billion to FIFA and that's why they got it. If Arsene Wenger was sitting in a different capacity rather than operating for the federations now and fulfilling a brief for them, as a domestic manager, he would not be for this. Originally, it was scheduled every four years because global travel was so difficult. Yep. So let me give you an example. England's first World Cup was 1950. They didn't bother before, before that because they thought they were above it all. It was the arrogant English back in the day. But when England went to the 1950 World Cup in Brazil, they flew to Rio 
They stopped at Paris, Lisbon, Dakar and Recife before finally getting to Rio de Janeiro. Alf Ramsey said in his first book in 1952, 31 hours is a long time to be flying. Back in the day, world travel wasn't what it is now. So that's why it was every four years. It's much easier to hold a tournament now. So that's why every four years is outdated massively. Now at the Spurs boss, Jose Mourinho has been speaking to the media ahead of their game with Dinamo Dynamo Zagreb in the Europa League on TalkSport 2 tonight in a 5.55 kickoff. Yeah, all the fives. Mourinho said he can't tell Gareth Southgate how to do his job and it's up to him how many minutes he gives Kane. Hold on, the international break's not next week, is it? I um, wonder why I said that. Oh yeah, yeah, because it is, yeah, of course he has. So basically, he's telling Gareth Southgate how to do his job. Yeah, I'll see what Jose's done there. No, but I cannot do Garrett's work the same way Garrett is not trying to do my my work. He does what what he wants. He does what he thinks is the best for the team. I believe that he has a good relation with Harry. So good relation means normally good communication. And I hope that in between them, without me being in, in the middle saying something, I hope that in between them, they can find some compromise to protect the player a little bit. Turns it over the line. England two, Tunisia one. I love my players to be involved in national teams. I think it's a question of pride for them. And this is a plus for us as a club. So we like the players to go. But of course, if we could choose, we wouldn't like the players to play uh, three matches. But it's not in in our hands. It's in the end of their uh, national team managers. And the England squad will be announced at 2pm this afternoon on TalkSport with a press conference straight afterwards with the England boss, Gareth Southgate. And staying with Harry Kane, sort of, is he the best striker in the world? Is it too late for him to make a big money move? And who should Dortmund's Erling Haaland join this summer? Well, let's speak to one of Kane's old teammates, his Crystal Palace's Andros Townsend. Not that Harry Kane would want to go anywhere, but we're talking about the best striker in the world here. We're talking about a striker who consistently scores 20-plus goals year after year in the Premier League. And these clubs, the Chelsea's, the Man United's, the City's, the Arsenal's, they've all bought players in for big money from overseas and they've not been able to replicate the numbers Harry Kane's putting up. People last year, people would have told me that Werner's a better striker than Harry Kane. Look at his numbers, look at his numbers. But it's one thing doing it in Germany, it's another thing doing it in the Premier League. And Harry Kane, whether he's 21 or 27, consistently does that in the Premier League. We have our first goal of the return of the Bundesliga. And who else would score it but Erling Haaland? If Man City are in for you, they're the, they're the ones more in need of a number nine at the minute. They're yeah. the ones who are the, the best team in the Could Premier you? League. Just spare a fault for Man United, who obviously could have got him for 20 million oh, yeah. um, before oh, he went no, to Dortmund. No. <laughs> now, who could put World Cup winning captain Bobby Moore and City's Phil Foden into the same sentence? Well, you're right. I've just done it. And, of course, Adrian Durham. This is Aid on Drive, explaining to Goffey why Fodes is the most flawless England player since Bobby Moore. OK, this I need to hear. Now Foden makes the run and he's clipped it past the goalkeeper and in for a delicious third goal for Manchester City. There's been some brilliant players. Don't get me wrong, been some fantastic players. But I go back to the 66 World Cup and Bobby Moore and I don't think there was a flaw in his game. I think Phil Foden's the best since then. And it's an amazing... I never thought I would say this. I would I would think if somebody said it to me, it was hype. But I genuinely believe it. Phil Foden's that good. What I will say is, but I think both me and you really enjoy watching Phil Foden. But he still might not start in England's eleven 
come the Euros. He might not. Let's just accept it, but he might not be picked by Gareth Southgate in the starting eleven, Because once attention comes on a young sportsman, not just football, football especially because of the following it has in this country and, and the hype from the media, and expectation is at every single game, a lot of players, they go hiding. They find it difficult to live up to. And there's a lot of things in that. There's injury, there's attitude, there's lifestyle management. He's managed by arguably the best manager in the world, or the top two or three managers in the world, in Pep Guardiola. But when he plays for England, that isn't going to be the case. No, and if there's uh, no trophies with, with England, it won't be Phil Foden's fault. You listed some very, very, very good players. Not one of them would I say, oh, they're, they're the best since Bobby Moore. Not one of them. Not, Wayne, not Wayne, Rooney. Wayne Rooney might come close and he'd be in the conversation. But I, I, even then, I thought there were, you know, there was an aggression uh, that sometimes stepped over the mark that meant he wasn't the perfect footballer. For me, I look at Phil Foden mm. and I see, he's, we just watched him last night leading the press. I mean, he's, he's playing a false nine like it's his natural position. He scores, he creates, he's trusted by Pep in a quadruple chasing side. His heat map last night, we had a look at it earlier, proven to have combined, get this right, his heat map last night was proven to have combined the work that both David Silva and Leroy Sane were doing what, about three, four years ago. His energy, his running, mm. played over a hundred times for Man City already. This is not a new kid on the block. This is somebody who's established at Manchester City. And I'm talking about the absolute quality and talent and being trusted at that very top level. Not Tottenham with Deli Alley trying to get in the top four. I'm talking the very top level competing seriously for all the honours. When have we ever seen a player of his age doing what he's doing in a side that's competing for everything. We haven't. We well, haven't. Now, is Donny van der Beek set to leave Manchester United and head back to Ajax? Well, of course, no one knows. But let's ask the United manager, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. He does know actually, but he probably won't tell us. And we'll hear from an Ajax legend, Frank De Boer. Oh, no, we couldn't get Frank. OK, just run on. Mm. Sentence doesn't really work then, does it? We will see where, where he's heading uh, next year. Always stays uh, with Man United or maybe another club is interesting uh, for for him. But uh, I th- first of all, he's not panicking at all. And he, he told his manager he's so happy at Man United in that sense because the, the club is really one of the best clubs he ever worked with, like organization-wise, how they treat him. He's not the guy that just that he feels lost, basically. No, they are very, very uh, an unbelievable club, he said. So that's also, I think, an... Uh, Positive note for the club itself, like Man United, that uh, they respect all every player they, who uh, they have under their contract. It's always speculations here, and uh, as I said, we're uh, assessing them. Been involved with the training session, and then let's see tomorrow if the if there's any reaction or not. Uh, they all trained yesterday, trained today, and hopefully there's no reaction. Donny has been focusing really hard, uh, working really hard to get back available for the latter stages of the of the season now. So um, that's our our focus. Well, that's it for another podcasty thing. I don't know why I'm shouting at you. Maybe because I'm excited I've got to the end. Anyway, let me remind you of live football you can hear in the Europa League. Talk Sport 2 from 5.55 tonight. Dinamo, Dynamo, Zagreba up against Tottenham Hotter Spurs. And then at 8pm on TalkSport, you can hear live commentary of AC Milan against Manchester United. Come on, you know. That's it. Thanks for listening on the TalkSport app or wherever you get your podcasts from. I'm back on my show, Andy Goldstein Sports Bar on TalkSport tonight 
from 10pm with the farm boy taking your calls on all of those games in the Europa League. Hopefully, happy ones from United fans. There will, of course, be another one of these Andy Goldstein Talksport Daily Podcasts out first thing in the morning, so do what you've got to do to do it. In the meantime, thanks for listening. Have a great day. And above all, be safe, everyone. Be safe. That was a podcast from Talksport. The Talksport Daily Podcast is proud to be in partnership with Enterprise Rent-A-Car. Whatever your mission, home or away, don't delay. Enterprise has the vehicle for the job. Rent from the best lineup in the UK. With over 450 branches, Enterprise has what your business needs. From compact three-door cars to spacious SUVs and people carriers to vans, they offer a large range of reliable vehicles perfect for the job. To find out more and book, visit enterprise.co.uk.